Hello, welcome back to another third and long podcast. My name is Slater, and I have my other host, Mike, as usual. We have an exciting week upcoming that we have all the wild card playoff games. Mike, how are you feeling about this upcoming week? It's wild card weekend. I'm uh, definitely excited to see how it all shakes out. There's some pretty good matchups, some good lineups, some good teams. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into it and see how uh, how we think it's going to go. So for today's episode, we're just going to go through all the wild card games, go through our predictions, and that will be all. So today we're going to start with the Saturday midday game with the number seven Seahawks going against number two 49ers. And how I feel about it is that I expect it to be a tough game, assuming that is a divisional game. You know, when division teams meet for the third time, there's usually never a blowout necessarily, right? Like, I find it hard for them to get blown out the third time again, especially in the playoff atmosphere. But they open up the line at the 49ers minus 10 for the moment. So they got the Niners winning by 10. Do you happen to recall what the first two scores were in the uh, the, the regular season games? No, I'm talking about About what they are. I know that the second time they played, it was 21 to 13. And then the first time that they played, it was 27 to 7. So they played week they played week two, and then the second okay. game was week. So Gino was 15. warming up in the first game. You know, they, they were still trying to gel. You know, the the 49ers pretty much were the same team as last year, so they came in pretty already together, you know, rocking and rolling, doing what they're going to do. So, And then you had the second matchup where it sounds like it was a 10-point, maybe seven, 10-point spread. Um, was the difference in that ball game, which sounds about right for the 49ers. But this is the playoffs, you know, exactly. so this is a lot different. You know, I can't remember in at least the past three or five years where any team came into the playoffs and just got blown out by three scores, you know, not not seven point scores, not 21 points. You know, it's it's been a while since that's really happened because the league is so competitive now. And I don't expect that'll be much different this time. In fact, the odds would say that it's hard to beat a team three times in one season, no matter uh, no matter you know what what they are or who they are. But this is two playoff teams, so it's going to make it even trickier. Um, I. My instinct tells me that the Seahawks are going to have their hands full. What do you think? So, you know, if we look at history, like you said, being teams three times is very hard. Uh, A great example would be back in 2020 when uh, Tampa Bay and the New Orleans Saints had to play the third time in that divisional round. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ended Drew Brees' career at home. But in the previous two games, New Orleans had put the whooping on them both times. And so it just goes to prove that it's a new week. It's a new game. Anything can happen. You've seen them for the third time this year. And, you know, it's Brock Purdy's going to be under pressure. You know, it's different to be in the regular season and come in with no, no, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? No expectations, expectations, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there was no expectations for him. He's the third stringer and everything's been rolling well. I mean, they haven't lost with him yet. So not saying that all of a sudden they're just going to lose, but Sam Brady's going to have to find a way. There is expectations because now right. he hasn't lost yet, and the, the team is expecting them to carry them forward. Right. There's no excuses and now. So, you got here. You've proven you can do it. Exactly. And if we look at the the stats here, and I know you're not too much of a stat guru. You like what you see on TV, and you roll off that. But looking at the stats here, San Fran has the number one defense, Right. Uh, points right. against are 277 and yards against is 5,110, which is the second best in the NFL right behind the Buffalo Bills. And so it just goes to show that their defense is helping out Brock Purdy a lot, right? They're not forcing him to have to like change the game plan. They can keep it slow with McCaffrey, then speed it up with the play action with George Keel down the field. Debo's coming back. They're getting healthy at the right time. So they have right. all their weapons around them. It's just... You know, how will it go? Will Seattle submerge, like, sink 
to the level that they usually do when they play the 49ers the past two times this year? Will they come out of the gate with something different and wild? I mean, what are they going to do? They had nothing to lose. They snuck in the playoffs by the Lions. So why not do something special if you can? San Fran may be just the better team. There's nothing you can do about it. But Geno Smith in that offense could make it a shootout and we could put Brock Purdy under pressure, right? That's what they may need. Or they may, may, may need to force Brock Purdy to commit a turnover or two to have things swing in their favor to keep it close. Right. You're pointing so out the, everything that good yeah. analytics does, right? So let's let's make this a little more uh, – let's say, you know, this is a, this is a bully, right? The 49ers are a bully. They're bigger than you. They're older than you. They're stronger than you. They have more muscles than you've got. You know, they got the cool cars and all the chicks, right? So how do you attack a bully? You have to think outside the box, you know? And in a dog fight or in any fight, honestly, you know, everything, everything's an option, right? So do you stomp on toes? Do you kick them in the knees? Do you kick them, you know, wherever wherever those soft targets are? Do you do whatever you have to do to take the bully down? And that's kind of where the Seahawks have to have to plan. Yeah, they can be as prepared for the offense and defense and special teams as they want to be. They're all athletes. They're all top-level athletes. But at the end of the day, you're just outgunned. So the only thing you can do is be very creative, play not loose, but light and wild, and just throw the kitchen sink at them, man. Do everything that you they would not expect you to do. Because that's the only way you take down a juggernaut like this. You have to just come right out and kick them right in the balls from the first jump of the game. You have to attack. You can't be conservative. You can't wait for them to make a mistake. Because they're not going to make enough mistakes to keep you in the game, to keep you relevant. You've got to create those and then hope that they cause a few of their own to help you out. So I think that's what the Seahawks are going to have to do. I'm not by any means saying it's impossible, but this is that old tried and true tell where, you know, the reason that these teams line up and play each other every week is for this very reason. You never know what could happen. You know, Purdy could come out there hear the noise, hear the pressure, hear the commentators. They're shouting his name. You know, they're slinging his jersey in the stadium booths. And, you know, he's like, holy cow. You know, they expect me to take this team all the way to the title game and to win. You know, I've just been having fun up to this point. Yeah, I mean, the pressure's on. But now the pressure is for real on. You know, and and the Seahawks have quite a bit of playoff experience. So it's going to be a hell of a show. I don't really think that it's going to be – mild game by any means i my gut tells me that the 49ers are going to win i'm rooting for the seahawks but you know we kind of know how this is likely going to play out unless they find some uh some way around it i definitely agree and my my prediction is is that it's it'll be a close game like a normal division game should be or the 49ers are going to blow them out. If it happens to be the Seahawks blowing them out, the 49ers will – I will relate them to TCU from last night. They didn't show up, right? Right. And we're not going to get into TCU and all that. But for our viewers listening, if you watch TCU – Yeah, exactly. You know, they just didn't show up. I expect the 49ers to win this. Uh, my score prediction, I'm going to say 31-17. Nah, I may actually say 28 to 17. I'm gonna say 28 to 17. I said they win by 11. By 11. So I'm gonna say, uh, I'm actually thinking, thinking this is gonna be a little bit more of a dogfight than that. I'm gonna give this a, I think it's gonna end up being 24 17 uh, Niners. Niners, yeah. So we're on the same page with the Niners. You got a little bit closer than I do. But from that game right there, we're going to – do you have anything else to add on before we move on here? No, I I think that covers it. You know, it's an experienced playoff playoff coach, so I think he's going to be able to keep it just a little bit tighter than the 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 10 points. That's very fair. All right, this is kind of an interesting game. Uh, The Saturday night game 
is the Chargers at the Jaguars. Now, the Chargers are the number five seed going against the number four Jaguars at home. I find this game very interesting. And the reason why I find this game very interesting, because I almost think he can go either way. And the reason I think that is because I think that the Jags could be on to an underdog story, right? We all love the underdog story. But an experienced head coach on the Chargers side with an experienced Super Bowl winning head coach with Doug Peterson with a young squad. You have your veteran squad with a young head coach with your veteran head coach with a young squad. You know, you never know what you're going to get with this kind of game. It could be one of those games where there's a bunch of mistakes, mental mistakes and coaching mistakes and stuff like that. It can happen. But I expect the Jags to come out there and give these Chargers a hard time. And I expect the Chargers to come out there and be slow at first, and they may ramp it up and get hot again. But with both teams being so new to these playoffs and never been here before, I expect it to be a slow start and an exciting close finish. Yeah, so this is two similar teams, in my opinion. Uh, they both kind of bring the same things to the table. You know, one of them does have, you called it, you know, there's experience on one side and then a lack of experience on the other. And then for the other team, it's kind of the opposite. Um, I, I actually think that the the Jags are going to, they're going to win this game. I, I, I think the Jags win. And the only thing that I have, the only, uh, what's, what's the word, the only uh, clarification I have for that or, or, or whatever is that if Lawrence can come out and play to the level that Justin is playing at, the Jaguars are probably going to roll out of this game with a win. Uh, if he comes out and he doesn't bring that ability and that confidence and that swagger that he does have, then they're going to struggle and they could still win because we've seen them struggle and still win because that team he's got around him, man, they are fired up and and their defense has really been delivering the last few weeks. But I actually think that if Trevor Lawrence comes out there and plays hard and plays well and plays with the confidence that we've seen him play at, I mean, he has, there's nothing that can really stop him. He's, he's a prototypical dream style quarterback. You know, he's big, he's strong, he's tall, he can see over any line. Uh, he's got a cannon, you know, he's young, he's intelligent. He, he knows what to do. He can read the field pretty well. He just hasn't been real confident in some of his decision-making um, when things have been thrown his way lately. So I think that has affected their perception of him. But like I said, if he comes out there and matches what Justin Herbert's going to bring across the field, then this is going to be a a battle for sure. But I think the Jags will come out on top because of the defense. Yes. And, you know, me talking so good about the Jags is kind of contradicting my dark horse pick that we had talked earlier (laughs) in our series with the Chargers, right? The thing is, is the Chargers are built off the pass, right? Right. You said that. And so looking at it, the Chargers had had 4,584 passing yards this season compared to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 3,959. Right. I think if the Chargers cannot get their pass game going and they can't get a little bit of a running game going, they're going to be in trouble. If they're expecting Justin Herbert to gunsling, I don't know how well that's going to work against this Jags defense because I expect this Jags defense to be conservative but sending aggressive moves at the right time and maybe a third and long when they do it, or a fourth and short. I don't expect the Jags to be super aggressive the whole game. I expect them to be conservative and expecting them to bend but don't break type defense. So you, you know, kind of see the Jags stealing one from the, the Chargers? I kind of see the Jags stealing one from the Chargers. Like a turnover or the game? A turnover. A turnover? Yes, I can definitely see a turnover. Um, it would in the – Honestly, the way I see the turnover is that it's a pass right through the middle. The Jags decide to disguise a linebacker, and he pops yep. up and picks it off. That's how I see it. I don't see a deep ball interception happening. I don't see, like, a, a fumble in the backfield. It could. I, a strip sack is always more possible, but I definitely see the Jags disguising a little bit and selling the, oh, we're going to play conservative, and also when he thinks that his route that's been open most of the game isn't because the linebacker is going to jump up and just steal it or the safety comes down. Right. 
so I think, so like I'm I thinking said, that. Go ahead. So I think I, what I'm seeing happening is, you know, the Chargers are going to be doing well, but the running game is not going to be there. Or it's not going to be prevalent as it should be to, to keep their momentum alive. And they're going to be forced to kind of move the ball through the air. And it could be a close game at this point. And I just think that they're going to make a mental mistake, probably something disguised like you described. And I see the Jags still in one and kind of turning the tide and maybe get even getting the lead or a bigger lead. And it kind of keeps the, uh, the Chargers playing from behind at that point. And due to the confidence of the prior portions of the game, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to take it home for him. That's exactly how to see the game playing out in my mind. All right. So we'll start with your prediction this time. What do you think the score prediction will be? Uh, so I'm going to say this is going to be a high, a low 30s, high 20s scoring game. I'm going to give it to the Jaguars at – 30, 31 to 27. Wow. That's interesting because my prediction, I'm going to keep my dark horse. I believe that the Chargers can pull it off. I wouldn't be shocked if the Jags upset them. But I'm going to keep the Chargers as my pick here, and I'm going to think 21 to 17. I think it's really going to be a slow start at some point in the game. It's just going to get real slow. You know, these teams are going to be – these coaches and these teams are going to be playing conservative, you know. I just believe that Doug Pearson's not going to set up his squad to try to go out there and throw a shootout. Maybe I'm totally mm-hmm. wrong. He could. But, you know, when you have a new head coach in the Chargers and an experienced coach in the Jags, but with a young squad, things can be tended to be like, eh, I don't know, like second-guessing, right? Not being, like, just, like, confident like you would sure, be in the absolutely. game. Absolutely. And so I think the coaches may second guess. Exactly. So you know how, like, in the regular season, teams will go for it in that 50 to 40 range going towards the opponent's side. There may be times that they take the false start and punt it in the playoffs. I believe in that. You know, if it's a fourth and two where they would usually go for it in the regular season, I could see these coaches being a little conservative and be like, no, let's punt it. Let's get them deep and see if we can stop them. I believe in those things happening in the young, in a team with teams never being there. But all right, so now we're going to roll into Sunday's wild card, and we're going to start with the 12 o'clock game with the number two Bills versus the number seven Dolphins with the Bills at home, of course. Oh, by the way, before we get into that, I'm so sorry, but they do have the Chargers minus one for our fans out there. But for the Bills, they have the Bills opening up at minus nine and a half. I agree with this assessment because I don't know if two is going to play. If right. two is not playing, it's really hard for this team to go out there and beat Buffalo, especially when people got Buffalo as their Super Bowl winners this year, right? Yes. Uh, Tua is the only reason that I believe that the Dolphins were good this year. He's done really great. I hope that he can come back healthy this week or even next year and do something great with them. I don't believe in Tay Bridgewater as much as I probably should have. Um, he has not shown anything really good. He's been a really weak quarterback in the pocket, and it just seems like that the receivers are bailing him out instead of Tua, you know, excelling his receivers while the receivers excel him. And even though that they're playing for the third time, I'm pretty sure that the Dolphins beat him the first time. And then the Bills beat him that second time in that snowy game, if I'm not mistaken. And then the third – and then this third time, I believe that the – Bills are going to pull it off because due to the quarterback situation. If they had Tua, I would be a lot more confident in the Dolphins and even say that the upset could happen, but I don't believe that it's going to. Yeah, I, I, I'm not seeing anything that says Tua's going to play. Um, if, there's, if there's not even speculation as to where his health is today, then I doubt that he's just going to practice and – move up on the the practice list and in the news and, and play on on uh on game day. I, I'm just not sure that's gonna happen. I think it's kinda a little bit too late for that to start changing now. Unless they've just been disguising it this whole time. It, it, there's nothing really out there. No word from there's Miami no way to what's yeah. I just don't with think it's gonna in, happen. Yeah. With with how injury prone he's been this year, 
there's no way someone's not keeping up with it. I mean, I, it would be it would take a lot for him to play versus not right. playing, right? Like he's gonna have to clear so much concussion protocol. I mean, it's it's been bad. It's been a rough year for him, even though that he, they got off to a good start. But the type of football that Miami plays, if Tua were playing, you know, you're just a Tyreek or a Waddle away from a big play. I mean, those guys can score anytime, lightning, anywhere. Light, yeah, lightning, lightning. You know, just bang, bang, bang. They can they can run up 14, 21 points just like that, and that gives them a chance. Uh, I don't think Tua playing on his best day right now uh, is going to give him much chance against the Bills, however. I think the Bills are not only going to win this game, but they're probably going to blow the Dolphins out um, or as much as you can in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like a 42-3 to regular season blowout, but a playoff blowout. When, when teams are in the playoffs, typically they're there because they know how to play the old foosball game. So, mm-hmm. uh I think I think it's going to be a bad day for the Dolphins. I hope that Tua plays just because I think the guys earned it this year. You know, he got the team this far, and they built a squad specifically for him to play with. But uh, I don't think it's looking good for Tua. I don't anticipate him playing. Even if he does, it might add 10 to 14 more points to their, their side. But I don't see it being much more than that. I don't see him winning. Yeah, and leading right into that, my score prediction, I'm going like 28 to 10. I mean, it, it's going to have to I, – I, they could score more than 10. It could be 14, and I could be off. But I really have a hard time believing that the Bills are going to just keep this thing close. I have a feeling that the Bills will make turnover special teams plays, as we saw last week, and change the game and take over. Yeah, my score prediction for this game is going to be 35-13 Bills. Yep. That's – I mean, even though it's at minus nine and a half, I expect it to be larger than that. If the Dolphins somehow yeah. cover, that would be crazy, yeah. and the Bills would have to make a lot of mistakes for that to happen, especially if Skylar Thompson's under center. They barely beat the Jets and barely snuck into the playoffs with Skylar Thompson. Right. All right. But all right. Now – for our midday game for Sunday, we have the Giants at the Vikings. And that game is opening up at minus three, which is very interesting. It's opening up in the Vikings' favor, which is very interesting, right? The last time they played, they snuck off with that field goal. And, you know, I I, I don't mind the line. I think that they're kind of underrating the Vikings a little bit, right? It's not the 12 o'clock Kirk Cousins. They're playing them in prime time. <laughs> so, right. Cousins going to be the out uh, the prime time Kirk Cousins where he goes like 0 for 20 on his passes and 10 interceptions, right? As we've seen two weeks ago in Lambeau. Or are we going to see that Vikings offense that can put up the biggest comeback in NFL history? Right. Like, what are we going to get? That's what, if I'm a Vikings fan and I look at it, that's what I'm concerned of. Which team are we going to get? Because if, if the Giants get the team that they want, which is the ones that got blown out at Lambeau, they're going to win this game. And it's going to be crazy when they do. And so I, be- I, I believe in the Vikings, and I think that they should easily pull this one off, but it's not guaranteed by no means. All right, so do we have any big injuries in this game? Is there is there any, any news that I don't know about? Uh, I haven't checked much today, but – uh, is there any major injuries on the injury list? Because I'm probably about to surprise you. Um. Well, if you want to lead into it, you can, and I will look. I will look it up real quick. I don't remember anything. I think they both lost okay. their starters week 18, so okay. we're pretty much. I just want. Yeah, I just wanted to qualify that so nobody thinks I'm crazy. But you know what? To be honest with you, I have the Giants winning this game. Not sure. I have the Giants. All. Yeah, I have, the game, I have the Giants winning this game, probably something like 27, 24, 27, 21, somewhere in that range. And it's it's not because I don't think – I well, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I do kind of think that the Minnesota Vikings are paper champs. But uh, I, just, I just don't think that they're going to be able to do enough. You know, they have a great running back in Dalvin Cook. They have a great wide receiver in J.J., you know – 18 chains, uh, whatever. Uh, he's, he's decent. You know, he's, he's serviceable. 
Um, you know, he's he's been around long enough that he knows how not to do stupid shit. Uh, but that is to make him a great quarterback by any means. It's pretty much the same thing in Giants land. But you know, let me tell you, the Giants are a victim of a very good NFC East. Okay? If you take the Dallas Cowboys and the, the Philadelphia Eagles out of that division – and they stack on a few more win, wins, likely, you know, especially the earlier part of the season. You know, they, they probably get – they split that at least, maybe two or three more wins than what they had facing off against, you know, their division rivals. So I think that the Giants are the weakest strong team in the NFC. If, okay. that, if, that's, if that makes sense logically for you. Um, and I think it's going to be a tell of two running backs. I think the running backs are going to be what controls the pace of this game and ultimately what wins or puts the teams in the position to win the game. I don't think this is going to be a shootout. So I don't think the the comeback uh, Vikings are going to show up and I don't think the lousy Vikings are going to show up. I think both teams are going to come with a game plan to control the clock, make good, smart passes, and uh, try to get out with a win. I just have a feeling that there's some giant magic following them this year into the playoffs. Uh, and I, I think Saquon is probably going to provide more for the Giants than Cook is going to provide for the Vikings. And he, I think he's going to dominate this game. I think the guy's a big game player. And I think this is going to be a game where he's going to show up and Daniel Jones's ability to keep plays alive and drives alive in combination with that is going to keep them on the field more than the Vikings. Yes. And I was looking into the running backs actually, and I would like to see the Giants use Saquon a little bit more. It seemed like Saquon was the big talk at the beginning of the Giants season when they went on their seven win streak run. Right. I would like to see, or not seven game wing streak, sorry, but they were seven and three at one point. I think they lost one game to Dallas within that. Yeah, I think they went six right. and one. Yeah, we six beat them and one. Gave them the one. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure so that's maybe how they're it saving. Went, but you're very right. They could be. Um, when they played Christmas Eve, Saquon was 14 carries for 84 yards in the touchdown. Daniel Jones went for 334 yards with one touchdown, one interception. That's a lot for Daniel Jones. I mean, for a guy that we don't intend to throw for 300 yards or don't expect out of, he did it against the Vikings. Now, on the other side of things, Kirk Cousins, 299 yards with touchdowns, and Dalvin Cook with 14 carries for 64 yards. Now, here's where things get interesting for the Vikings. With the Giants, their receivers, the ball got spread out pretty well. Um, Richie James had eight receptions for 90 yards, which is their highest. And then everyone else is like the same stat line, right? Eight receptions for 89 yards. And then Darius Slayton for four for 79. The Vikings, Justin Jefferson had 12 receptions for 133 yards. And TJ Hawkinson for 13 receptions for 109 yards. So that's my question. Can the Giants slow down Justin Jefferson? If they can, I believe that they'll have a big chance at winning this, if not opening up the game for them to potentially blow them out. But without that, I don't think they can. And I think the Vikings would be really, really smart to slow down the game a little bit and don't get into a shootout with the Giants. If they, right. Maybe a shootout works out in their favor, but I don't think going fast-paced on the Giants is going to be good. Daniel Jones has been phenomenal, unbelievable this season, and he has definitely not been – not helping the Giants, right? He's been nothing but helping, and he's been – I mean, they've been running the ball with him. He, they've been doing it pretty successfully. You know, they sell on Saquon. He yanks it. He's going for the corner the, or the pylon corner. And so that's my biggest question for the Giants. Can you stop Justin Jefferson? If you can, it's going to be a very, very interesting game. And the same question for the Giants – or the Vikings. Can they stop Saquon and Daniel Jones? From the rushing, the rushing side of it, not the passing, but can they stop them on the rushing attack? Because the Giants are built to run the ball, and they're very good at it. And they're very good at getting Saquon to get the ball a couple times and then pull it with Daniel Jones. And when you think you got Saquon in the backfield, Daniel Jones is gone. He's running. 
So that's my Who those are my biggest questions defense? for the teams. The Giants. As much as uh actually I, agree. I take that back. Give me Minnesota. Give me Minnesota's defense. I take that back. I they're Buffalo and the I don't know. I, I believe in the Vikings defense just a little bit more with Patrick Peterson there and uh Harrison. And who else do we have? I can't name on top of my head. I'm not. Let's see. Zadarius Smith is not bad. They have Zadarius Smith. He's a he's a big factor. Harrison Phillips. They have more Vikings have more bigger names on their defense than the Giants do. Now the Giants sure. may be more of a solidified defense, right? Right. But at the end of the day, I believe that the Giants will still win this game. As much as I say that, I think that the Giants will win 27-21. So we're picking the same on this one, essentially. We're picking the same on this one. Um, Yeah. I could be totally wrong, but that's my gut reaction to it. Yeah, I just – I believe – yeah, you're right. The Vikings have bigger names on their defense. Um, Just from the eyeball test, watching the Giants play – I think their their secondary as a unit is more capable of shutting down or at least slowing down. They don't necessarily have to, you know, one catch for 10 yards, Justin Jefferson. They just have to keep him from, you know, trotting down the field, getting mossing them and, you know, making easy touchdowns. You know, they just got to they just got to make it competitive. But I see them taking one away. Um, Exactly for sure, with the pressure that the line... The Giants always have a good D-line, even if there's no big names on it. They're always able to get in your backfield, and, you know, 18 chains is a... Uh, he's a little bit of a statue. He's not, he's not running anywhere, you know, other than for his life. So, you know, I, I just think that he's going to make a mistake, and the Giants uh, secondary is going to be there to uh, to take the ball away and at least contain Jefferson. They can't let the guy have three touchdowns and expect to win this game. So I kind of, I kind of think that's how it's going to play out. You know, uh, to be a ground game with the occasional big play pass from the Giants and uh, Dalvin and the Vikings trying to get over the top. This is that's what this battle is going to be about. Who can do theirs and stop the other team from doing theirs? Yeah, exactly. Uh, did you say your score prediction? I didn't hear you. If you did, yeah, I, I was. Uh, I kind of waffled on the the losing score, um, but I had twenty seven, twenty four, maybe twenty one. Uh, it's really just going to come down to how much time, and if the Vikings have the ball last, they they get a field goal because they think they're going to, you know, do an onside kick and get that touchdown to go over, you know, to to take the lead, but. Um, more than likely, I think this is going to be decided at 27-21 by the end of the fourth quarter. Awesome, awesome. All right, so now for our Sunday night game, we have the we have the Ravens, the number six Ravens versus the number three Bengals. This game opens up at minus seven. And I think the reason why it opens up at minus seven is for one reason, one reason only, the same issue the Dolphins have. Is Lamar Jackson going to play? Now, from what Ian Rappaport went on and said at the Pat McAfee show, he said that Lamar Jackson has told people he'll be back, but he, but who have watched him aren't so sure. So maybe at practice, the people that sit there and watch practice and all that don't see Lamar performing at the level that he needs to to be ready for a playoff game. But he, Lamar may be telling people that he is. And these could be one of these situations where the Ravens are going to roll out their guy no matter what. He's halfway. You know, it's like in 2012, RG3 had that ACL or hit that knee injury going into his wild card game, and he still played. I mean, unfortunately, he didn't finish the game, but he still right. went in and played. And it could be right. one of those situations where we're going to be like, Lamar, give us the best. And it was got. inspiring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, you know, Phillip Rivers is another example. He tore his ACL, and they be, they went on to beat the Colts. So it could be one of those things where – they may just roll him out there no matter what. No one knows for sure. There's not an official report out yet of what's going to happen. But I think that's why the game's opened up at minus seven. Now, do I believe the Ravens will win? Not a chance. I think the Bengals are on a Super Bowl revenge trip. 
I think that the Bengals are playing too good right now, and they played them last week, and they got to rest their guys for a little bit of the game. Um, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, that offense with Joe Burrow at quarterback is pretty dangerous. I mean, Joe Burrow just is so calm, even in the highest pressure situations that he's been in. He's just calm. Joe Cool, right? Joe Cool. Joey Ice, I mean, wherever you want to call him, right? He, he's unbelievably calm. And that's what the difference is, and that's why they made the run they did last year. And I believe that that's coming back. If the Ravens come out there without Lamar Jackson, I don't like their chances, not even one bit. Yeah, and it makes it unfortunate to call these kind of games when there is a crucial piece missing. You know, it's like, how how do you really give the Ravens a fair opinion and analytic when you don't even know if if they're going to play at a certain status you know I wish we just knew he's not playing or he is playing and to be honest I you know if if Lamar Jackson was playing and they were hosting this game I'd give them the win on this particular game I, I would say they win I still think they have a pretty damn good chance if Lamar Jackson plays I just think that and, and here's my logic behind it, and this might be a little bit long-winded, but the first person that touches the ball when the ball is snapped is the quarterback. They get the first opportunity to make a decision, depending on the play call, to hand it off, pass it, tuck it, run it, or do whatever. When you're first guy to, to take the ball or have the ball in their hand has the ability to run it a hundred yards immediately. That's a problem. It's a difficult problem to stop. Mm-hmm. So at any point in time, this guy can take the ball to hell with the running back to hell with the wide receivers. It's third and 10. We're going to spread out our offense. I'm a drop in the shotgun. I'm going to snap the ball, and you never know what kind of wacky stuff we can come up with for this guy to get 10 yards. It's hard to get a guy like that out of a big game off the field. You know, it really is. So I think if Lamar Jackson plays and he's healthy enough to play, he's going to give the Bengals a really hard time, and they could very well win this game. The Bengals are the most upsettable team in the AFC big three right now. If anybody can be upset, it's the Bengals. It's not going to be the Bills, and it's damn sure not going to be the Chiefs. So if anybody could take an uppercut they didn't see coming, it's going to be the Bengals. And if anybody can do it, it's a team like the Ravens with Lamar Jackson at the helm because the guy can just make plays happen when they need them. You know, most teams have a quarterback that can't do that. When you have that resource, not only do you have a very talented guy whose profession is to take a handoff and run with it, and several guys whose job it is to run, make a couple moves, and catch a pass, and then you have a guy that can throw, handoff, or run pretty damn well himself, it's an additional challenge. It's another layer of depth that people got to deal with, and it's hard to get a guy like that off the field when he really, really wants to win, especially in the playoffs, you know? So I think if Lamar Jackson plays, this is going to be a competitive game, and I pretty much give it a 50-50 shot. If we were playing in Baltimore, I'd give it to the Ravens, but because we're playing the Bengals at Cincinnati, I would say that this is going to be the Bengals. Um. I'm going to assume Lamar Jackson is not playing. So I'm going to put this game in the realm of 31-20. Okay. I wrote down two scores, one for Lamar and one with no Lamar. For my no Lamar score, I put 24 to 10. The Ravens' offense without Lamar is horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. And they've been barely averaging 13 points. Uh, the team with Lamar, I still think the Bengals win 
27-20. But that one will be a closer game because of that factors of what you said. I agree with that. But without Lamar, I just don't know what Ravens team you're going to see. I mean, you're going to see one that's going to fight hard, but the quarterbacks are such a crucial position, and the Ravens hurt without Lamar. They need him back. If they want to win, they need him back. Right. Big time. Do you have a – did you say your score with Lamar? No, I, did, I didn't do a Lamar score, so I will do a Lamar score, and I'm going to make this one interesting. I'm going to say – that if Lamar plays, the Ravens win. I think it's going to be an upset. And I think it's going to be a – let me get the score in my head. I got I to I watch the game in my head. You know, I got to play it in my head and figure <laughs> this out. Oh, it's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to give this one <laughs> – don't rush me. Okay, this is magic. You're going to come back to this game and be like, ah, he called it. Uh, I'm going to give this one to the Ravens 33-31 with Lamar. You really believe that the Ravens could score that much? I'm just curious. You think Lamar, Lamar is that much? I think. Well, you know, in the playoffs, you tend to, you, you tend to give everything you have, right? That's a great question. I love that question. Because in those games where you, you know, did you expect the the Giants to put up the amount of points at the end of that game and contend with the Eagles as they did the other night? Did you expect Dallas to come out and and do what they did and have Washington play us as well? On paper, yeah, those should have been 35 to 15 scores, right? But they weren't. But, it, but it, they weren't. Because a lot of times what you're experiencing and what is happening around you can affect how you play in a game. And I guarantee you that if Lamar Jackson gets on that field, he doesn't think he's going to lose. So if the Bengals come out firing, throwing big punches, he's going to run his ass all over that field to meet those punches. And sometimes that can make a good team that's struggling suddenly start playing better. So if they raise the bar, the Ravens are going to do their damnedest to reach it. That's that's why I think that. I think that when one team is pulling the rope, the other team is going to find everything they can to pull the rope back to their side. You know, nobody quits. Nobody wants to give up, especially when you got your field commander back on the team, you know? So I think that if it's a high-octane game that the Bengals bring and Lamar's in it, I think he's going to return fire. And I think because of his extra ability, and don't get me wrong, I'm not taking away anything from Joe Thorough, okay? The kid is elite already. He can flat out play foosball, you know? He's a very young Joe Montana-esque kind of guy, you know, which is great. But, you know, this is why they play the game, so... Yeah, I mean, you're right. It could be the biggest upset of the weekend and nobody knows it, right? We think, like, maybe the Chargers and the Jags, or we think that the Giants and the Vikings can be the biggest upset, or the Seahawks and the 49ers. You can't predict wild card weekend. That's why they call it wild card weekend, super wild card weekend, whatever they call it. That's why they do, because you never know what you're going to expect. Crazier things have happened in the playoffs, and you never know. That's why you watch them and you play the game, like you always say, right? Exactly. So rolling into that, we roll into our final NFL wild card round game on Monday night, where the Dallas Cowboys go against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm -hmm. So the number five seed Cowboys have to roll into Tampa Bay and go against the number four seed Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, why is this game the most interesting one? Because they have the Dallas Cowboys favored. By two and a half. It was three from the last time I looked, but I checked it before we started the podcast, and then now it's at two and a half. All of these stat lines, by the way, come from DraftKings, just to sort my lines there. And why is this so interesting? Is it because that even after Tom Brady and the Buccaneers played against Carolina and they saw the crazy Mike Evans game, that that's not enough for the odds makers to change it? It's 
they're they're favoriting Dallas because Dallas has been the more consistent team all year. Tampa Bay has a losing record going into the playoffs, and they have not been consistent all year. Why is this scary? Because no matter what, at the end of the day, you have to go out there and play against Tampa, Tampa Bay, and you have to play against Tom Brady, who was the best. He's the GOAT, right? He's the greatest of all time. You don't know what you're going to get out of him, and you just saw him two weeks ago throw for a 400-yard game. But I don't think that's enough to solidify these Cowboys out. And yes, we're Cowboys fans. We have biased opinions. But I try to be as truthful to myself as I can be. And Dallas should not lose this game. But what Dallas needs to do better is build the run. If you're going to go out there and try to gunsling it, you're wrong. You have to build the run to make the play action happen. Dak Prescott is the best quarterback when doing play action. But you can't sell your play action enough if Tony Pollard, Zeke, Malik Davis aren't running the ball well. And you have to scheme up your runs. Do the pitches again. Do the ones where they're in the shotgun, they throw to the quick toss to the running back. you got to get creative, Kellen Moore, and we need it from you. You can't come out there with a bland game plan and expect to beat Tampa Bay like that. Tom Brady's not going to roll over. This may be his last year. This may be his last year with Tampa Bay. Or we don't know. But Tom Brady's not going to roll over for you. He will throw 400 yards if he needs to. So you have to get him while you can. I, I believe that Dallas can do it. I'm scared, confident scared, because you're playing against the GOAT. But I'll let you take over the floor. Okay, like I've been saying all year, this is exactly what the Cowboys are supposed to be doing. All right? This is their shot. This is what it's all been about. All the bullshit, all the hard times all the choking in big games and all that crap that comes with being a Dallas Cowboy or a Dallas Cowboy fan, this is exactly what the Dallas Cowboys need. The game's given the point spread the way it is because nobody has a reason to truly have faith in Dallas. Okay, and yes, this is Tom Brady. But Dallas, on paper, is by far the better team. But this is exactly what I wanted to happen. Okay, because I felt like this has been coming from early on. And if you go back and listen to the podcasts, I said that Dallas needs to go through something that gives them the confidence. I feel like Dallas is that really talented guy, right, who just hasn't been able to to punch through, you know, he drops a crucial, he drops a crucial pass or he doesn't pick up a key block. And he was just one good decision away from getting that shine that propels him further and puts him in that upper echelon status. Okay. It's not that he can't do it. It's not that he won't do it. It's just that that time has not come yet. And this week, that time has come. We're going to see the best performance we've seen from the Dallas Cowboys in six weeks. Yeah, Tampa I, is going is going to lose this game. Yeah. It's not going to be it's not going to be a blowout, okay? But they're going to be convincingly beaten. It's not going to be oh if Tom Brady had done this instead of that they would have won. If Tom Brady would have farted with the wind blowing downwind, they they would have made that field goal. Bullshit. Dallas is going to come out. They're going to control the clock. They're going to bust Brady up when he's on the field. They're going to take Mike Evans out of the game. Fournette will have to keep them in the game by running from sideline to damn sideline, which is the only thing he can do well anymore because Dallas is not going to let him run up the middle. They're going to get slapped around. I see this as a 34 to 24, 27 game Dallas. A convincing okay. win for Dallas. I'm, I'm not, so I'm close to you in a way. Um, I said 27 to 17. I, I think that 
Dallas still dominates. And I, I like that you said that. And the reason, like, the reason why I like that you said that is because you're right. In the past years, Dallas has always beat the easy teams. And every now and then in the regular season, we pull off the upset. What were our upsets this year? We beat the Vikings. We beat the Eagles. We, we have stepped up to the moments that we need to win. Now we have had our mistakes and lost the games that we should have. But those were like the Jaguars in Washington, the games that we just somehow shouldn't we, – we were predicted to win big and we somehow lost. And it's time to see this Dallas team step up and take over. They need to beat Tampa Bay confidently, like you said, and tell everyone, us as podcasters, everyone on national media, hey, we're for real. And whether we have to go march into Philadelphia next week if we win or we have to go play San Francisco 49ers, I want them to be confidently win that game to where the odd makers and everyone second guesses and go, well, these Dallas Cowboys may do it. They, they may pull off the win. They might finally get there. They, they finally showed us what we've been missing. Like we've been critiquing them all year over the big things, the little things and you know, is Mike McCarthy the coach? Is Dak Prescott's interceptions concerning? This week, they have to shut it all down and scare the other team that they could potentially play next week if we can beat Tampa Bay. They have to beat them. They, our championship window is closing. There's not, there's, not a, there's not a third try at this. I don't believe. I mean, if I could predict the future, maybe we make the playoffs next year. You know, But last year, you had a super talented team with a super talented offense with Amari Cooper. And you got bully balled. You learned from it. You got better at the ground game. When Dak Prescott went down week one, Cooper Rush stepped up, and you learned how to keep winning games. So Dallas needs to learn how to keep winning games. Keep winning, adjust, and adjust, and adjust. Don't roll over, Dallas. Don't do what you did against Washington. Go out there and play bully ball. Tampa Bay's not expecting you to. They're not expecting you to come out there and bully them around and push them. Get in the trenches and get dirty offensive line, defensive line. We need it. We need Micah Parsons to reemerge and get Tom Brady like he did week one twice. And who better to do this to? Who better to make your – who better to bust the, the crescendo moment out on? You know? Exactly. Who better to drop nuts on and say, we're fucking – we're here than exactly. Thomas – Jackass, Ruford, Benoit the Third, or whatever the hell the guy's name in break. <laughs> who who better to to say we're we're playing football this year? We're in the playoffs, and here's what's going to happen when you come our way. Yes, everything is against Dallas. Playing on grass fields, we've lost every game. Playing on the road in the playoffs we've lost every game all the counting back all the way to 1992 we've lost every road game we've ever played on in the playoffs we have never beaten tom brady 7 and 0 tom brady is against the dallas cowboys it's, so it's time, the dallas. perfect moment it's the perfect it's the moment. perfect moment dallas okay, it's time so i got a little surprise for you here okay and uh we'll explain this if it pans out if it doesn't pan out we'll never speak about it again and we'll refuse and deny that it happened. Exactly. So I'm going to ask you a question, and there's a reference that I will refer to in this question. We're creating a new award on Third and Long Podcast today, and we're going to call this the Bonnie Tyler Award, okay? Because we're holding out for a hero. So... Who is your Bonnie Tyler recipient prediction for Tampa versus Dallas? Who is your who is that guy that is going to show up big in this game for Dallas? Your it's Bonnie Tyler be. Award recipient. I need a hero who, whose name I will be shouting in the fourth quarter when it gets down to crunch numbers is Micah Parsons. And the believe, the reason I believe Micah Parsons is because he's been a little slow lately. He's been there. He Last year, he got a bitter taste in his mouth. And you know Micah Parsons is one of those leaders in the locker room already in the second year. And he has to be the guy to step up 
and get the defense off the field or close the game out. We haven't seen it in a while. We need him to step up this week, get that sour taste out of his mouth from last year's playoffs all the way up till now. They've been talking about it. They've been talking that they wanted this game. Dak Prescott, two years ago when he got his first game back with his ankle injury, said, we'll see you again. Yes, we did see him again in the playoffs of that last 2021 year. But now you're seeing him again. Micah Parsons, you have to step up. You have to be that guy. I could say Dak Prescott, but Dak needs to do his job no matter what. Dak doing his job and being a, a little bit outside that is what a playoff quarterback is, needs be, to do. Is, would be, yeah, that would be adequate. We just need Dak to not do what Dak did last week, and we'll be fine. If, if, if I'm sitting there screaming at the TV, singing the song, saying, I need a hero, it's Micah Parsons. No doubt about it. Okay. So, I see your Micah Parsons, okay? And I think for my Bonnie Tyler Award recipient, we're going to go to an oldie but a goodie because I think the guy's hungry. And I think he's been waiting for a moment like this. I think he's been waiting all my life. I think Zeke is going to unleash in Tampa. I think Zeke is going to provide that punch in the mouth that we need to let Tampa know this is going to be a long day, baby. They came to play. I think he's going to run it right up the middle the whole first half of the game. And, of course, TP will be his relief, and TP will do what Tony Pollard does. But I think Zeke is going to show up in a big way in this game. You know, I'm thinking Zeke's going to show up, you know, somewhere between 15, 17 carries for 85-plus with a touchdown in those pivotal moments. It's not going to be so much about how many 20-yard runs he breaks. It's going to be about how many times are we in a second and eight and he gets us that first down. How many times is it going to be a big moment where we really need a good run to just really plow us up the field and Zeke comes through. When we're pinned Mm -hmm. and we need to punch it into the end zone from the six or seven yard line and Zeke makes it happen. That's the kind of game we're going to get from Zeke. Dak's going to play well. Tony Pollard's going to do his thing. Our receiving core, our tight ends are going to show up for sure. They're going to be crucial in this game. Crucial that they don't drop passes Mm -hmm. because they're all going to get a few. Mm -hmm. But if Zeke shows up and punches them right in the mouth, like Zeke and only Zeke can, Tampa's in for a long day. So that's that's my uh, Bonnie Tyler Award recipient. I like it. I like it. And, you know, as you were talking about it, I should have gave mine to the whole D-line, but I'm going to stick with Micah Parsons. Yeah. Um, I think Micah Because Parsons... he can affect the other guys so much. Yep. Those guys and... can flash because of what he does. Exactly. And we need we need the Lion, right? I need him to get Tom Brady and run down the midfield and rub the stomach, right? Eat, eat his mm-hmm. prey. And I really like Zeke. That you said that because it, it adds up to everything I've been saying this week. You cannot get the play action without a running attack, and you cannot get a running attack unless you have Zeke the freak leading the way. As much as Tony Pollard can do it, teams need to be scared of Zeke because if he's banging out five yard plays, three yard plays, it opens up for Pollard, it opens yep. up for CD, it opens up for Dak to drop back, it opens up a lot. And that's why I think that that was a very good, very good award to go to for a veteran guy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We went through score predictions, right? I said 27 to 17 Cowboys, and you said. Um, I've got it 35, no, 34, 27 Dallas. Yep. And just to sum it all up, it's going to be a really wild, wild card weekend. I think this will be the best wild card weekend we've gone in a while, with the exception of a game or two. I think that the Dolphins and Bills game and the Ravens and Bengals game will be eh. 
But I really think you'll get some fun out of that Seahawks 49ers, the Chargers and the Jags, the Vikings and the Giants, and the Cowboys and the Buccaneers to end the weekend. I think you'll get some really special games out of them. So, any final thoughts before we end this? Nope. I've said it all. We said it all here at the Third and Long Podcast, and we thank you for coming and joining us. And we hope to see you. We'll probably do our podcast next Tuesday. I know we usually do it on Mondays, but unless we get on the mic Monday night after the Cowboys game, we're gonna we be may most Yeah, we we may end up doing it Tuesday. So thank you for coming and tuning in, and we'll see you next time. 